Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, WGC Mexico, DraftKings picks and preview. Maybe a little discussion about the Puerto Rico open towards the end. Not a slew of great DraftKings contests for that. Probably just play a single bullet, so I don't want to give everything away, but I have made a few wagers on that event. If you check out the cheat sheet that comes out on my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the PME on Wednesday. You can find them all there. Jeff Feinberg and I discussed a lot of those on Monday's show as well. Just want to let you know, if you want to play in the Pat Mayo Experience, DraftKings Open. The link is in the description of this podcast and video. Go sign up now. Three max entry, $15 to play. No rake. Best contest on DraftKings. Swag out. Also, if you want to become a member at FantasyNational.com, you can check out the simulator. Use all the tools, build out your lineups. If you're mass multi-entering, it's something you definitely need to do. FantasyNational.com slash PME. Get yourself 20% off. If you want to get into a draw for 100 DK bucks, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star review. DraftKings handle something you like about the show. Boom, you're in. Also, 20 DK bucks. Smash the like for the video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. And tell me which of these... New mid-card European players that we're going to see this week in the field at WGC Mexico in preparation for their lead-up to the Masters. Are you most excited to see, to bet on, to use on DraftKings for the Florida swing? Because these guys are going to be popping up here and there, maybe even next week at Honda. I don't know. So I'm curious to know which guys you're excited about. DK Live's Jeff Ulrich joins me on the line right now. Which one is it for you? Is it Bobby Mack? (laughs) Zero trash season, Pat. Come on. Yeah, we got to get into it. I don't know, man. I'm kind of interested to see what this Victor Perez guy can do. I mean, that's it. That's probably it for me. I mean, is he the real deal? Is he going to be like Alex Noren and top, throw some top tens in there, throw, throw a couple wins in there? I don't know. Um, there's lots of guys. Wiesberger was really good towards the end of last year, too. I don't know if he can pop up with something, but he's a guy maybe in majors to watch if he gets some form. I don't know. There, there is a lot of names out there. Robert McIntyre, yeah, that's, that's another one for sure. I, I like Ken Holt if he plays in the Honda next week. Okay. That's a guy. Right. Sweden. Gotta, gotta go team Sweden on this. Knolt is, uh, yeah, he won a, I think he won like the French Open one year or something. He's, he's been playing well though too. I mean, uh, yeah, team Sweden. Maybe he'll overtake Stenson. Will, I'm interested in Will at this week. I mean, that's another guy you gotta keep your eye on. You guys obviously like Will it, but uh, there's a lot of new players coming in. Matthias Schwab, everyone likes him. Yeah, well, hey, everyone likes someone who can hit the ball 8,000 yards. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think he, I think he paid off for everyone at the uh, at the last WGC. So everyone, we'll see how his ownership goes this week. But uh, Besden Hoot is uh, is also coming off a win. It was on the Challenge Tour. I don't know how much you know stock he put in that because who knows who he was going up against. But uh, he's been playing well too. There's there's a lot of guys in this field, like you said. Uh, maybe it's more to look for towards the Florida swing. But uh, a lot of names that you can be throwing darts at this week. It's going to be an interesting event. Well, let's jump into it. WGC Mexico has 72 players in the field. There's probably 10 that are unusable this week. Now, maybe one of them hits. I don't know. But, you know, it's 7,330 yards, par 71, almost exactly the same as last week at Riviera. Completely different course, played at over 7,000 feet of altitude. There is no cut. You will get all four rounds from your guys. I don't mind the Stars and Scrubs approach here because a star tends to win i guess phil won at like 40 to 1 but dustin has won the other two years they've held this event at 
Club de Golf Chapultepec in Mexico City. So, uh, And at WGCs in general, you want to jam in as many stars as that you can get your hands on because those are the guys that tend to do well. You give no cut all four rounds, the cream tends to rise to the top. It's not like a single round event, a head-to-head or a first-round leader, especially with no real downside of having like a bad round. Guys can rebound and go super low. Justin Thomas is like the king of that. Fleetwood is the king of that. He just always ends up coming in second place when all is said and done. So as an approach to DraftKings this week, how low do you think you're going to go in the pricing? Yeah, I had this, this discussion uh, earlier in the week uh, with, with Ben Raza and on Osmo show. And it's, it's one of those things like with a no cut event, I think everyone just gets all excited. Like I'm getting four rounds out of everybody. I can do anything I want. I can roster, you know, like uh, Tahi Lee and I'll be good. This is a great lineup. I, I, I try not to do that anymore. Uh, I really don't. I don't want to say I'm more conservative. It's just, I really try and limit my exposure to guys, especially this week. It's it's more like guys under 6,500. Um, they're just going to be lineup killers for the most part. Like you said off the top, there might be one guy who ends up like in the top 20 and he ends up being good. But like, good luck finding out who that is because uh, most of these guys either haven't played this event, they haven't played a WGC, and the times they have, they finished like T68. So that's not going to get it done. Uh, I'm really going to try and limit myself, probably 65 and up for sure. If I do take a shot with one guy down there, it'll be like in one lineup and, and I'll be making multiple lineups. So that's my deal. Um, definitely going to be trying to limit it. I don't even know if you'd call it more balanced, just uh, a little bit more heavier on the, the low 7K and the 7K range as opposed to taking multiple shots with guys that cost like 6K. So. Yeah, there's almost two types of constructions that you can do here. You can do that balance build, even if you wanted to start with... I don't know. Let's say let's say Hideki's your guy this week. He's an even 10. Then just top to bottom, you can be solid in all six of your spots. I can see myself constructing some lineups like my uh, Michel Lorenzo Vara from France. He's 6400 bucks. He's actually been playing well in real tournaments overseas. Like uh, at the end of the year championship, he was a top 10. He was top 10 two events ago, not in Saudi, uh, in Dubai at the Omega Masters. So there's guys like that I think you can use. Ken Holt is another one where you can kind of squeeze him in, but... Trying to fit in like a stud, a 9K guy, and probably four 7K guys is the approach this week. I would think so, unless you have a real hot tip on someone in the sixes. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I don't mind taking a shot with a guy like Lorenzo Vera. Absolutely. I think where you're going to get in trouble is where you try and go two of those guys. So if you go like Lorenzo Vera, then you're like, oh, I'm going to fit in, you know, Jorge Campillo. I don't know. I mean, he's actually probably a tad underpriced this week, um, uh, you know, 6,400. He's definitely the guy I would pick out there as well. But uh, I think when you start going like massive stars and scrubs, um, you'll, you'll get into, you'll get into trouble, you know, going like three guys under, you know, 6,800 or something like that. I just don't think that's going to work out. So there are different ways you can do like the still stars and scrubs. Like you said, you can do multiple guys in the seven K range and then go uh, at the top for the rest of them. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting too. I'll point out like, you know, last week, you know, Rory finished T5. He was in the lead for a lot of the tournament. He was around the lead. He still wasn't in the winning $20 lineup. So it's something to consider. Um, Rory's probably going to need to get the W this week to, to be in the winner lineup. I, I would, I won't, I won't say guarantee that, but it's, it's probably a, a big likelihood that like he'll have to finish first or second. So I uh, really need him to pay off. Um, I think that you go a little bit more balanced on the top. You can still get the same kind of construction. And so, 
I think it's going to be a bit tougher this week solely because it's the WGC and we usually do see an elite winner. So not only are you going to have to have one or two of those guys, you're going to need to pick right. Because that was my biggest issue with the Genesis. You know, the 6K guys, I had completely figured out. Uh, the guys who are good, that uh, didn't go so well for me. So that really hurts a lot of my lineups. Yeah, Bubba, not the best as it turns out. So and also in an event like this, you're going to have to be contrarian in some spots. If you go into the week knowing, you're probably going to reduce your exposure because this is more variance than you're probably used to. The massive swings day-to-day and even shot-to-shot in a 72-man field is quite steep. And there's only so many different combinations you can have where you end up liking your lineup, but if you go in with the premise that you're probably not going to win anyway, sometimes you do need to pivot off into a spot where it's like, well... Look, I know Justin Thomas, and I'm just throwing this out here. We're doing it far too early in the week to see where all the money is gravitating toward. Let's say it's Dustin. He's won here twice, coming off the top 10, $11,000. That could definitely work out. But if he's going to be like, I don't know, 35% owned, and Rom is going to be, let's say, theoretically 15% owned, I like Dustin better, but you might just have to bite the bullet and go with Rom instead. I mean, at the top, it might not be that cut and dry, but it could be something like, oh, Everyone likes Sungjae this week. Everyone likes Fitzpatrick this week. Well, Bubba sucks at this course and sucks in general, especially when I end up using him, but no one's using Bubba that in the off chance that he's the guy that goes off, like you can, you win if he goes off. And if you have the chalk guys that goes off in a field like this where the chalk is really concentrated, that you're going to have to make some uncomfortable stands with players that you probably don't even believe in. Yeah, and I mean, like, realistically, they're probably not going to be that uncomfortable stands. Like, I mean, if you really don't like Bub, I guess it'll be uncomfortable. But that's the thing. That's generally how I play these elite fields. That's basically what I did last week. And it kind of worked out for me in some spots and didn't in others. Um, you know, I faded Xander because his, his ownership was getting really high at the end of the week. And he ended up being the most stoned player, basically. And I just, you know, pivoted to Hideki, who ended up being a great play. Although he had to make a, you know, five-foot birdie putt on the last hole and on Friday to get make the cut. But it worked out. And I, I think that's generally how I handle these elite fields where, you know, it's hard to differentiate between like John Rahm and, and Justin Thomas because they're both so good, right? So uh, unless you have a real lean one way or the other, and that's fine too. But it's like you said, um, I'll be doing the same approach. Um, if, if it comes down to like the AK range, and like you said, everyone's going on more a cow or something, I got no problem pivoting to Patrick Reed or something. So I'm definitely approach using these elite fields. It's why ownership percentages, in my opinion, are, are a valuable tool wherever you're going to get them. Uh, but yeah, definitely, uh, especially in a WGC with the you know the reduced field, obviously, I, there will be some guys pushing like 35% this week. So those will be guys I'll be most likely, unless I got a really hard lean towards someone uh, avoiding. Yeah, like this week, like Brennan Grace is 7800 bucks. I can't imagine he has more than 8% ownership. I might just take him oh, because yeah. no one else has him. Yeah, I mean, 8%, that's... That seems high, but it is a WGC field, like you said. So yeah, so yeah, everyone, everyone kind of carries ownership. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it, you're right. It's in the, that range is. I mean, we'll get to it, obviously. But I mean, there, there's a couple spots in here in the ranges in DraftKings where I, I don't even think like you could pretty much pick anyone from the range. And I think they're going to be like under 10% owned, or maybe under 15% owned is, is a better barometer to go off of. But uh, that range in particular, like there's lots of guys with question marks. I don't think anyone's going to have huge ownership at the very least. So um, yeah, lots of ways to differentiate this week, uh, but you do have to, you have to take a little bit more care because 
um, you know, there will be some guys popping up. And like I said, you're not going to get as low ownership as you would in a, in a full field event. So. Uh, if you want to check out some ownership projections, I suggest waiting until later in the week once it really kind of concentrates in on a few players. Like Wednesday evening is always usually the best time unless you wake up. I guess this tournament starts at noon Eastern on Thursdays. You can wake up as long as you have your seats reserved in some of these larger contests Thursday morning fantasynational.com slash PME. Check out to see what the people, at least on Fantasy National, are doing and how that could translate into your lineup. Top end guys this week. There are five of them over $10,000. Rory is the number one player in the world. He is the most expensive player at 11.5. Then Dustin, two-time winner in three years, 11000 on the number. JT, Rom, and Hideki, the guys in the $10,000 range. For me, it's probably, you could, it'd be really tough to avoid this area completely but i think i'm just going to use rory and justin thomas split up my shares between those guys and work from there and fade the other three rory and justin thomas yeah i mean i look and like you said it's probably if you're making multiple lineups you're not going to avoid this range completely but at the same time you know we're we're in a leap field um it is a little bit of a tricky course that has given most players problems unless you're unless you're dustin johnson at one point or another so it's not inconceivable that, uh, you know, the, the winning lineup this week doesn't have those, any of those uh, It's very clear that one I'm kind of at the same train of thought right now. I'm not, I'm not of the group that Dustin Johnson is really close. I think he's, his game is still getting back into shape. And obviously, he's Dustin Johnson. He's maybe the most talented player in the world. So him at 90% is still better than a lot of players. Obviously, top 10 last week, he's not playing that bad. But, um, you know, he, he wasn't quite as, as good as, as I feel like his, his results sort of indicated. He was saving uh, par a lot last week. So uh, my lean right now is to probably avoid Dustin Johnson, even though it's, it's going to be a kind of a big fade at this course. Um, the other factor is just the putting has been so bad. I mean, I think people forget he led the field here in strokes game putting last year. So you're basically asking for a complete 180 in one week of putting now it can happen uh dustin johnson has, has probably done that before but uh i'm kind of okay fading dustin if he's gonna be around three i do worry i'm a little bit worried that again he's priced up to 11.5 um in this kind of field you really need him to come through and, and probably get the win or or come really close uh to pay off but uh, i certainly could have I really want to see how ownership plays out on Justin Thomas and if people are just going to stay off him because of the miscut last week. So he's a player, though. He's shot 62 here uh, in each of the last two years. So um, no problems there for me. Well, we are going to hang up on you and come back. So hopefully that resolves your robo voice problem. We're back. Hopefully that solved everything, although Jeff is now fuzzy on the other end, not crystal clear HD like myself. But hey. You want to see me in HD. Let's be real here. You got to get the pink suit a-popping out at you. Hideki, yes or no? I'm going to go no. I'm going to go yes. Um, do you think he's going to, do you uh, think that he's going to chip in every single hole this week? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the worry, obviously, that he, he just, you know, continues his, his you know, decade-long history of missing every five-footer. But look, I mean, I just can't ignore how good he hit the ball consistently. And, I mean, realistically speaking – this has been a bit of a putting contest. Obviously, Dustin, Phil, top five strokes game putting uh, in the wins here the last couple of years. But they're, the iron play was consistent, too. And, and I think that uh, strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained with uh, approach with the deck. He is approaching those levels where 
he, he just hits it so well that he almost can't lose. Um, I'm in on Hideki this week. It definitely could be setting myself up for a bit of failure if the, uh, if he struggles to find these games. This will be his third time playing it, though, T19. He, he did improve over his first uh, visit here, which is a T25. So I, I don't know. I just uh, I can't overlook uh, how well he's been hitting it. Uh, led the field in strokes gain T to green last week. So I'm in on Hideki. So Rory and JT for me from this range. JT for sure. If Rory gets like out of control popular, I can see myself you know, going off of him. But the 9Ks is really where this gets interesting. So you have Webb and Scott both coming off wins. Xander, Fleetwood, Bryson. I bet Xander, I bet Bryson, I'll probably be on those two. Although, I do think that no one's probably going to use Webb or Adam Scott. Yeah, of the two, I'm definitely interested in going with Adam Scott this week. Um, again, just a player who seems to be like when he gets in this form, uh, he'll he'll hold it for a bit. I mean, we kind of saw it, you know, towards his, his Masters victory and, and things like that. He just, uh, he's a player who, when he gets a little bit of confidence, he gets the broomstick working a bit. It'll... It'll stay with them. Obviously, had back-to-back wins back in 2016. Uh, one of them was at this event, actually a second win at the old Durrell's course. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely be in for a little bit of low-owned Adam Scott this week. I'm not a player I'm looking to go crazy on, but Xander, um, I, I really do feel like Xander's probably going to garner ownership again. Uh, I feel like, again, people chose him over Hideki last week. Now you're getting a $600 discount over Hideki, um, who some people probably – feel like he hit his ceiling last week. Um, I, I feel like Xander's probably going to be the popular play. I definitely understand betting him, though. I mean, obviously, he's got a ton of upside in these WGC limited cut events. Uh, so that, I, I, I'm not going to criticize that or anything. But again, we come uh, back to ownership later in the week. If Xander's popping like he was, uh, I'll, I'll gladly pivot to Fleetwood, who uh, obviously second here in his first uh, his first visit, really straight off the tee, which is obviously uh, an important fact here. I'm going to be out on Bryson after being in on him last week. Um, I just don't feel like his irons are there. And I really feel like uh, if he, if he's as sketchy with his irons this week as he was last week, it's going hey, to he, he was, he was good. He was good with his irons last week. Uh, I, I was inconsistent. Good though. Like it, it was, it was one good shot and then a couple bad ones. And I don't know. I, I just don't feel like he's quite there uh, to compete here again. And, and again, I'm, I'm really emphasizing course experience here. Bryson has one visit where he was an absolute disaster around the greens last year, uh, lost over five strokes putting. His putting was sketchy on short putts last week. Um, I can't imagine it's going to be any better on faster greens this week. So I do like Bryson. I like the way his game is shaping up, but I I feel like I'm okay waiting for Florida and fading him this week. Hey, look, and again, you can't play everyone up here. I understand the people just wanting to play momentum with Bryson. I'm probably going to be out on him almost likely. Also, Louis is 8,900, and I have to play him. So, um, you know, I got to fade someone. Uh, Fleetwood, by the way, coming in with a first, two seconds, and an 11th, I want to say. Yeah, T11 uh, at the Omega Dubai Desert Classic. So, nice run for him to end 2019 into the new decade. Already has two second place finishes. So, it's been pretty good with him. Like you mentioned, he has the T2 here before that. I remember watching that. It was the year one of this event in Mexico, and he's trying to track down Rom and Dustin, and he just kept making like every 50 foot putt. It was nuts. Yeah, and then his and then his caddy uh, like bashed him in the head because they were they missed a high five at the end of it. I think I think that was the <laughs> event. That was kind of where Fleetwood like made himself known. Like I don't think many people were really all that big on Tommy Fleetwood. And then they saw him there, and then he had the, the runner ups at the U.S. Open and became uh, you know a popular guy. But uh, I'm I'm kind of in on him this week. I'm not sure if I'm going to bet him or anything like that. I think at those odds, I just go to Hideki. But uh, definitely in on him at 9,200. I think he's going to be uh, probably a sound pivot for me. 
Yeah, Bryson over three strokes gained off the tee last week, over three on approach, over three around the greens. Couldn't really putt, but Bryson either spikes or he doesn't. It's just one of the things you have to go down. Probably a better bet than a DraftKings play. You're probably right, but I do think that he has win equity in this small of a field. You mentioned Louie. He heads off the $8,000 range at $8,900. Definitely, again, not a guy that you want to bet, but... If you use him on DraftKings at $8,900 and he comes second like he normally does, you're looking pretty good. Cooch, Casey, Sergio, Morikawa, Reed, Woodland, Bubba, Leishman, and Spieth. And Matthew Fitzpatrick is also $8,000 as well. It's a very clustered range. I think this is a range where you can go to your low-owned option if you really want to get off people. So for me, in this range, I like Casey the best. I like Sergio a lot. I think I like Gary Woodland next. I really want to use Morikawa, but I mean, the guy's putting on Sundays. We saw it at Sony. We saw it last week. Like he needs to figure this the fuck out. Like honestly, it's been really bad. What a crazy Sunday for Morikawa. Hey, I mean, what an absolute insane round. I mean, dudes four under after three holes chips in from like the parking lot for par on, I think it was the fourth or the fifth. And then he ends up like, I don't even know what he did the rest of the round. It was just terrible, I guess, because he ended up like minus three for the week. Um, insane. But uh, I, I am with you. Uh, I will be a full fade on Morikawa. I feel like these greens are going to give him problems. And again, it's not a player thing. It's just an experience thing. We've seen a lot of these top players struggle, and they've, they've gradually come to, to just understand how this course plays. And, and you're asking a young player now who – you know, probably got lucky to, to finish where he did last week with just some good around the green play. And obviously he's a great iron player, but, um, you know, I feel like if you rostered more cow and you ate the chalk last week, you probably, I don't want to say, again, I don't want to say he was a bad play. You just got lucky because he just made the cut. Then he really went off on some birdie streaks and, and he kind of saved par and he saved you with some good DraftKings scoring. I'm just not sure if I want to rely on that two weeks in a row. Now he's such a good player. It could happen, but, um, I'm okay going with some experience here and going for guys I think have a better shot at like a top 10 with a Sergio who I rostered over Kucher last week and then ran into like a 10 plus strokes game putting week from Kucher which sucked. But I'm okay going back to Sergio here. Um, progressively has gotten better. Obviously T76 last time he's gone here. And Casey will be probably the chalk of this range. I'm, I'm going to go Sergio over Casey almost uh, assuredly. Although again, we're, we're early in the week. We'll see how the ownership goes. But uh, I like the way Sergio's game is rounded into form again like Hideki. Got to figure out the putter, but Tita Green has been really solid, and I like that coming in. I'll say this, too. Um, I understand the love for Wood. I really like Patrick Reed this week as, like, a GPP play. Um, I don't think many people are going to go there. He's progressively gotten better here. T14 is last time out, shot 64 year, and I think it was round two last year. He was actually in the top five after round three and then faded on Sunday. Um, I think he's got the right kind of short game, and, and he's, he's probably figured out these greens because he was T8 in uh, strokes game putting here last year. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. If you do go by experience as it pertains to this course with putting, uh, gained per round. Now, a couple of these guys only have four rounds, but Cam Smith has gained 1.6 strokes putting per round at this course in the four rounds that he played a year ago. Same as Charles Howell the third, 1.5. Then Rafa in 12 rounds, Dustin in 12 rounds, Snedeker in four, Kisner in 12, Matt Wallace in four. Then you got Hatton, JT, Sergio. Uh, next up, Bubba, actually, shockingly enough, gains a lot of strokes putting here. Yeah, I, I, I noticed Bubba. And I, I'm kind of, again, I, I'm not completely out on Bubba this week. I mean, he's first in strokes gained off the tee, I think it was a couple of years ago. He's had a couple decent rounds. Um, I don't think I'm going to bet him or anything like that. I'm not sure if, if this is quite the venue where, where he'll get that done. But, uh, like, you know, we have to remember, he missed the cut last week. 
it could have easily switched spots with with Hideki and that Bubba missed the five footer on the last hole to miss the cut. And then um, obviously Hideki made his, but you know, those roles reversed. It could have easily been Bubba finishing like a minus eight. And then he's uh, you know, around nine, nine K this week. And, and the roles could have been reversed. So Bubba was playing very well before that one missed cut at Riviera where everyone quite frankly was putting terribly except Matt Kuchar and Danny McCarthy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think Bubba could be an interesting play for me again. Not a guy I'm going to go terribly overweight on, but, I feel like this low AK range, um, especially under Morikawa, probably not going to be heavily owned anyone here. So uh, some good GPP pivots, I think. Uh, Leishman, per the numbers per round, the worst putter in the field this event. He's played eight rounds here, and he averages negative a stroke and a half per round on the greens. It was terrible last year. I remember because he was coming off a good week at Riviera, and I kind of liked him. I think I bet him, and he was done by, you know, 10 holes in. Um, yeah, he's, he's been hitting it well lately. I mean, if you're just going by recent form and you don't care about that stuff, definitely, I mean, 8,100, I can see getting behind it. I probably won't go there this week. Obviously, we've already talked about, you know, two players in this range that I like, so I can't play everyone here, but I do feel like it's a range where you won't get chalky, chalky ownership, so that's that's one good way of looking at it. Uh, maybe you do play, take three players in this range and sprinkle them in your player pool. Looking at it right now, these are the very, very, very early ownership projections. The only single-digit players in the $8,000 range coming in, Kuchar and Spieth. <laughs> I'm surprised, Kuchar. Um, I guess people just are playing the strokes game putting narrative and, and don't feel like that's going to go. Uh, again, if that stays low, I might even consider sprinkling some of him in. Um, I, oh. I don't mind that. Again, I do feel like good around the green play and putting is important here this week, so... Uh, I'm not sure why people would, would hate that with Matt Kuchar. Spieth, uh, I'll be out on. I, I took my shot last week that his game was uh, ready to start firing and, and the irons were going to come around. Didn't happen. Um, doubt I'll go back there. I'll probably even play Fitzpatrick over him. Uh, Leishman also, I have projected at 9% at this early in the week, but obviously that can change. If you go on to all these shows and be like, Mark Leishman, real deal, guaranteed to win, you know that's going to up his ownership a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm not going to do that, but uh, someone could, someone more popular than me. 7Ks. Now it gets interesting. This is where you're going to find your low-owned guy. So picking right, like obviously picking right at each spot is obviously important, but you can really get away from a lot of the field in the $7,000 range. you got Answer and Emmett 79, Lowry, Grace 78, Smith, Sned 77, Rafa, Victor Perez at 76, Graham McDowell at 75, then Ann Wiesberger, Hatton, nah, Chez, Billy Ho, Kisner, Kitayama, Bobby Mack, Molinari, Scotty Scheffler, Charles Howell III, Kang Kokrak, and Willett. That's the entire $7,000 range. Where are you going? I mean, yeah, this, this range, I, I talked about it again uh, already this week, and there's, there's just no one I, I can sit here and just say, I'm, I'm pegging this guy, and, and I'm, I'm going to have him in every lineup or anything like that. It is, um, you know, it, it's a range where I want to see where some ownership lands and, and, and things like that. Um, you know, Snedeker is interesting, I think. Uh, from from the fact that obviously he's coming off a couple missed cuts, I don't think his uh, his sentiment's going to be that high. And he was obviously T seven here on his first go round, a, a good poa putter, a guy who can handle himself around the greens. We've seen him be in good form uh, in some of those similar type venues. So I mean, I've definitely got my eyes on him at seventy seven hundred. Um, you know, standing out for me. Um, answer, I assume, is going to garter a little bit of ownership as we get. You know, everyone realizes he's from Mexico, and the event is in Mexico, so he's got to <laughs> play well this week, right? So. I'm sure he'll uh, he'll garner a little ownership. I'm interested in Victor Perez. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, I really would like to see this guy play this week, and I'll probably throw him in a couple lineups. Um, guy's been 
just fantastic on the Euro Tour. I mean, obviously a couple runner-ups, a win over his last 10 or 12 starts, uh, playing well. It, it is his first time. I believe it's his first time at the event. I don't want to say that. I'm not. It gonna, is. Yeah, it's his first time at the event. So again, um, I'll, I, I'm I'm really emphasizing experience here. So um, none of those guys that haven't played here are going to be heavily owned by me. Uh, I'll probably even go down uh, further down and, and and look for some some cheaper plays. But uh, right now, Snedeker sticks out as as the guy I want a piece of, especially in uh, GPP lineups because I like his upside. I don't have a hot take about anyone else in this range. Um, I, I bet Benny on at ninety to one because I'm an idiot, but. Um, you know, he, he might even be the, the popular play in this range just because he's the guy that people know and he plays on the PGA every week. So, What about Corey Connors, 75? Connors around these greens really frightens me. <laughs> um, like, to, to the extent, like, uh, I, I just don't even know if I'll roster him. I might even go up to Graham McDowell over him. Um, also, his, his ball strike over his last two events, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, I don't think it's been quite up to Corey Connors' standards, so worries me a little bit that he's coming in without the greatest uh, form. Uh, I would probably rather go to a veteran like, uh, like McDowell, quite frankly. So actually the past two events have been pretty good for Corey Connors gained 4.2 strokes off the tee in Phoenix, two and a half through approach came 45th, missed the cut last week at Genesis, but gained almost two strokes off the tee and gained through approach in two rounds, managed to lose over a stroke around the greens and three on the greens. That's only two rounds. That's impressive. Uh, Yeah. The around the green play would be the big thing for him, but around the green play doesn't really factor in all that much here. Like if you're missing the greens at this course, you're kind of fried to begin with. Now the part where it would come into play where like around the green really matters are for like Dustin and Rory and Bubba and even Bryson for that matter, because they're going to be trying to like take on these par fours and then trying to pitch and putt it up and down to make birdie for Connors. If he misses the green, like that's an insta bogey and he's, finish so it's really hard to parse what matters and what doesn't but ball striking wise basically Corey connors is the good ben ann now yeah no i mean he's definitely been consistent i I didn't want to say he was uh he was like obviously you know faltering down to where we we shouldn't be uh targeting him um i had just been under the pressure that he wasn't quite up to the Corey connor standard we sound but obviously still gaining an approach uh not a big deal there so um it really comes down to how much do you trust some of these Euro guys? Like how much do you trust like a Wiesberger? Uh, Hatton's coming off a, a wrist surgery, so I wouldn't even touch that. Um, and, and like a Rafa. I know Rafa had a, a fantastic year here one year where uh, he, he gained a million strokes putting, I think, and, and ended up like top five. But um, yeah, I mean, it, the whole range just feels like GPP range where you, you, you know, you just take your shots and, and you don't really trust anyone. Um, I, I, I'm fine with Connor's. Uh, realistically, because, um, you know, he, he's a guy who we see every week, weekend, we know what we're getting with him. Like you said, if he misses greens, he's in trouble, but if he hits greens, um, can get the putting going a bit, he, he's okay. So I'll probably mix a little bit of Connors in with a guy like Rafa Cabrera Bale. Um, I, you know, for, if you're constructing a cash game lineup, I'm, I'm not even sure yet who I would trust here. You always hate it when I talk about cash games anyways. So we don't have to talk about it, but, uh, you know, um, for, for GPPs, I, I feel like the, the real low ownership will probably come on guys in the low 7K. Like a guy like Kitty Yama I'm interested in. Um, I, I feel like people just play Scheffler or Kisner from that range. So um, that's probably a guy I'm going to have some interest in. Uh, I feel like he's definitely someone who is experienced playing Euro courses, you know, quirky little courses like like uh, we're getting this week. And, and obviously just coming off like a top 20 at, at the Pebble Beach. So 
I'm in on Kitty Am, especially if uh, we're going to get low ownership. So Weisberger is going to be my play here, 7,400 bucks. And I feel like you're going to know right away, like he's either on a heater yeah. or he's bad. So I think that he has the ability, like he's won three times in the past eight months. And you know, they haven't been the biggest events going, but he's the number 23 ranked player in the world. And he's priced with Corey Connors. Like I love Corey Connors, but burned is a better player uh, and his irons can heat up. And when he starts putting, he actually does putt well. That's a huge factor when you're actually trying to win tournaments from down in this range. So I think that he's sort of a GPP play that goes either, or I'm willing to risk it on him. And I threw up Brennan Grace. Like I don't think, he might come in at legit 1% ownership. So I'm going to take my shot. The irons have not been bad. He's great around the greens. If you can figure out how to fucking drive the ball again, he'd be fine. Yeah. Grace has been frustrating for me. I've chased him actually the last couple events um, has not worked out. Um, but you're right. Like there, there's a reason I've been chasing because he's, he's actually looked like he's been in pretty good form. Uh, the irons uh, have been gaining. So um, it, it really should be a pretty suitable course for Brandon Grace when he gets uh when he gets everything together, it's just, uh, was that form that he flashed at the start of the year when he won like the South African open and then played well, um, in, in Europe, like, uh, a mirage or was it just, you know, is he just figuring things out now in the PGA? I'd definitely be in for a little bit of that too. And you're not going to have to go huge overweight on Brandon Grace. I'm there with you on Wiesberger. I'm sure by the end of the week, I'll probably squeeze a few of them in just cause like you said, um, you look at this range, you start to parse everything down. He's the best player. Um, he's the best player in the range. He's been crap uh, his last three events, which is probably good, though, from a DFS perspective, because, um, you know, realistically, if he had been playing well and he was 7,400, everyone would just flock and be like, oh, yeah, Wiesberger's my value play this week. It's not going to be like that. We're talking about him now, but even even as we're talking about him, we realize there's some risk here. So I don't think he's going to be overowned in this range. Um, I'm fine taking a risk on him. Like I said, I'll definitely have a little bit of Benny on, although he's been I think he, I think he lost five strokes on the greens the first year he played here. And then he, he, he cut that in half last year. So again, a good around the green player, but um, you know, with the putting it's, it's really sketchy whether it's going to show up. So Wiesberg has probably got better upside, uh, all things considered. Ben Ann's got some baby swag on the go, so you got to pay attention oh. to that. The the only other two that really garnered my interest, because I gave a very hard look to Billy Horschel, knowing that he's yeah. someone that no one's going to play, but I'm just so like, eh, I'm Billy Horschel until we get later into the summer. It's, Kisner and Bobby Mack at 7,200 bucks. I might end up playing them both, but like McIntyre's distance, like he can generate Eagles and maybe take on some of these shorter par fours. And we liked Kisner like three weeks ago and now we don't like him anymore. Like he, he's won a WGC within the past 12 months. Like this is a perfect kind of course for him. Yeah, it should be, shouldn't it? I mean, it's again, like Kisner is to me, it's like the poor man's Kuchar too, right? I mean, yeah. where you're getting a similar type of player who could show up any week and gain 10 strokes putting and, you know, challenge for the win. Like literally any week, Kevin Kisner can do that. So obviously you're getting him in a WGC event. He's played here three times. That's the kind of experience I'm looking for. He'll probably be a little bit chalky in this range, but I don't think it's going to be anything near where you're going to have to consider fading him like at, at immense ownership or anything like that. So Definitely in on that as well. Uh, I like that. I Like I said, I like experience at this course. Uh, I like guys who have handled these greens, at least figure them out to the extent where they're, they're not going to blow up. So um, definitely in on that. Like I said, I'll probably go Kitayama over McIntyre, although realistically speaking, I think both those guys have very similar upside, similar similar type of games anyways coming from the European Tour. So um, yeah, you know, those are those are names that I, I definitely are going to consider for, um, for GPPs. I think most people probably lean Scheffler because again, 
he's the more popular name. He, everyone knows him, but uh, I like Kitty Ammon McIntyre for sure for the upside there. Those are, those are two quality players in this range. Just to, just to look up the most recent version of his reloaded Fantasy National and see how it's going. Yeah, people are gravitating towards Kisner and a lot of people going towards Hatton, which, again, like you mentioned, coming off the wrist surgery, first event back, probably avoid that one. Yeah, no thanks for me. That's, that's fine. I mean, I know he's got the good record here, but I, I just don't play guys coming off injury unless, I, unless there's an absolute real reason I have to, and there's just too many other players in this range to consider. So easy fade. By the way, the early ownership has Xander and Casey being the two highest owned guys, along with Rory. Yeah, I'm not shocked on Xander. I mean, it's again, you're getting the discount off a of decky. Everyone sided with Xander last week. So, you know, when you're getting a discount, they're probably going to do it again for at least one more week. So it's yeah. good news if you like Hideki, I guess. And the current highest owned uh, in this range, like I said, Hatton, for whatever reason, people are just grab- The stats rate out really well. So if you didn't know about the wrist, that might be the thing. And then it's mm-hmm. Scheffler, Rafa, and Snedeker would be the next three. Yeah, Snedeker, I could see because everyone's just going to look at that seventh from 2017 and and probably just go, oh, well, you know, all these other guys are, you know, either they're missing cuts like Grace or they're, you know, Cam Smith and, and you know, you got guys you haven't seen play on the PGA like Victor Perez. So I can definitely see Snedeker being the chalk there. Cabrera Barrow, like I said, he's got a top finish here too. Um, the, honestly, the, this high 7K range, it might just be a range I avoid altogether and just go with the low eight guys and then go with some low seven guys. Cause we talked about the low sevens. I think we're both kind of uh, a slight, at least slightly bullish on Kisner there. And, and we like the, the GPP plays. So that might be a route I decide to take this week. Six uh, K guys. We have a ton of these euros are in there. I think that people might go back to EVR despite missing the cut at the Genesis. We talked about Kinholt. I like him. Uh, Michael Lorenzo Vera, just cause they're so cheap. 65 and $6,400. Is there any one player in this range in the six K range that like, you're like, gotta take that guy. He's good. <laughs> um, I mean, you should probably, should we probably just play Carlos Ortiz? I mean, he's been playing pretty well. It is his hometown event. I feel like I'm going to overthink this and just avoid him because everyone's going to play him, but I really do feel like he's playing pretty well. Um, like he's, you know, he's still a bit of a, a mess around the greens, but it's not like he's putting terribly or anything like that either. So um, it's like, it's, he's like a mini version of Corey Connors in a way. He's not as good ball striking probably, but off the tee has been solid. Um, putting, he's actually been pretty solid around the greens. Not so much, but, um, I think at 6,600, I'll, I'll probably just get some of that in. I agree. Van Roon is probably the best player down here. He's, he hasn't really looked in great form, but he has played in this uh, event before. If Van Roon gets a little bit popular and, and you can get like Canolt or Lorenzo Vera at, at like half the ownership, I'd probably go there. The only other player way down there, um, I would say that deserves mention is Ryan Fox. He's coming off a second. He hits the ball a ton. Um, He's really sketchy. Like he he could he could generate you a lot of birdies, or he could finish t seventy. So, um, in a field of like sixty five. So, um, you know that, that's the only other guy. But again, I don't really want to play multiple players in, in here. I'd probably just pick a guy like Canalt or Lorenzo Vera and go from there. I think they're more reliable. Fox is uh, a shot in the dark. And like I said, I'll probably uh, talk myself into Ortiz. So um, those are the players I'm going down there. Schwab, Schwab and Besenhut at, at sixty nine hundred are again they're kind of like cheaper versions of McIntyre. And um, and and uh, Kitayama, um, I think Schwab was was like a top five or top ten at the last WGC. He's a good player; hasn't been playing quite as well. But Bezanud actually won last week. It was like a Challenger Tour event. I don't even know why he's playing it, but uh, he's been in pretty good form. So both those guys uh, are, are in play here, I think. 
Uh, shop T8 at the Omega Masters, the only other event that can even really come close to approaching this amount of elevation. That's the one that is in Switzerland. Who else finished well at that one? That's the one that, like, Soderbergh won. And I feel like there was just a lot of people in that playoff. Remember oh, that? right. Yeah, yeah. I think yes. that, I th- believe that was the tournament. The Omega European Masters. Yeah, Soderbergh beat Rory in a playoff. On, oh yeah, Rory was there this that year. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lorenzo Vera was in that playoff too. No, he missed it by a shot. Oh, okay. So him, Fleetwood, and Schaub all missed it by a shot. So that's interesting. Yeah. Van Royen yeah, played I mean, really if, well. Kinholt played if, really well. Hmm, interesting. If you're playing the altitude angle, I mean, Willett and Fitzgerald and Fitzpatrick have both won that event too. So and uh, I'm kind of I'm, I'm interested in Willett this week for sure. Um, he hasn't been playing that great, but again. Tougher course, uh, altitude, T27 here last year after a, a poor start in 2017. So he's a veteran guy. I mean, he can uh, obviously uh, get it done in a, in a course like this. I think, it's, I think it sets up for him uh, a little bit better. It's, it's, it's actually kind of reminds me of the uh, the PGA Championship, the Euro PGA Championship event or wherever the – I can't remember the course now. but uh, Wentworth. Um, the one he won last year. So I, I think it's actually a good venue for Will. We'll see if he's in good enough form, though. But 7K, I – I'm definitely going to have a little piece of, uh, of Danny in my uh, GBP lineups. Yeah, I think I'm going to go full fade on Teehealy, but you know, that's just me. If it was the problem with stats this week when you're trying to optimize or even just run a lot of modeling is that you have all these European guys. And I mean, you think that the stats are tracked very poorly on the PGA Tour? Just go over to the European <laughs> Tour. So it's not factoring in a lot of the stuff when they're drawing like, oh, the past. 24 rounds who knows when i mean you can find out when those rounds are from but like with evr like he probably only has a few weighted rounds that go back like two and a half years if you're looking like the past 24 so and they're usually like in really tough major type fields as well so it's really hard to kind of parse that information like there's almost nothing on benjamin ebay or mike lorenzo vera just you don't have a ton of it so by the numbers themselves, to revert back to it, the two guys that we do have a lot of info on, that the stat modeling does like this week, from the 6K range, it shouldn't surprise you, but it probably will, Lonto and Munoz. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, I mean, we got guys we, we know a lot of about, just from a stat perspective. They played a lot, too, over the fall season, right? So we have a, a bigger, you know, stat... Uh, cool to go off of over the last six months not shocking at all i mean if i'm gonna pick one i'm probably gonna side with munoz there um guy obviously from you know south american probably uh, a little more comfortable playing at altitude uh, definitely coming from i want to say he's Colombian. yeah he is colombian so um definitely side with munoz who actually played pretty well last week in spots so i think 6800 does a guy actually yeah we kind of glossed over for sure i think given how well he's played in spots and and how well he's competed too at some tougher events. Like this, this is a guy who not only won the fall season, but almost won at the RSM Classic again. So, I mean, his upside is real at 6,800. Um, definitely a player you should probably uh, pay some attention to here. Uh, the last guy I didn't want to mention, uh, he's going through an equipment change right now and has been god-awful. But if you said that there's one player that has the most win equity in this particular event, or maybe any event that just if all these guys were in the same tournament over and over and over, this guy would win the most of anyone in the 6K range. Do you think that you and I are thinking about the same guy? In Like under 7K? Yeah, in the 6K range. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I think we are talking about the same guy. Matt yeah, Walls? Matt Walls, yeah. Yeah. Can, yeah. You, can you use him, though? I mean, he's been, like you said, he's, he's been bad. Um, equipment change. Yeah. I, I remember reading about that now. Um, 
you can use them. I mean, you can definitely use them. It's a no cut event. So um, if the guy catches fire, like maybe this is what he needs. That's kind of why I'm interested in Willett too. Like Willett may not be playing the best right now, but you know, you get these guys with a little bit of pressure off uh, at a course where they've got some familiarity, you know, they get them to the weekend and all of a sudden it's like they shoot 65 back to back or something. So um, Wallace is definitely, um, you know, the, uh, him and, and Van Ruin are, are probably the two best players in that range, just from a quality of, of how they finished over the last year, um, year and a half, two years, whatever. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, you can use them. It's, it's not a player I would trust. Again, uh, if you're making one core lineup, I wouldn't go there. But um, definitely you can work them in. You should get them, what, 5% ownership, maybe less? Yeah, probably even lower, to tell you the truth. Yep. I, I probably won't. I probably use Munoz over him just this week in particular. It's just weird to see. He's like, you go look at his like stats. It's, he's basically like a little Siwoo Kimmy. It's like first or miscut. Yeah. That's kind of his game. <laughs> well, and that that's kind of what he was even before, when he was playing well. Like, he'd kind of screw off for a couple of weeks, and then he'd show up and, like, be, like, fifth win in, in his next two events and then something like that. So he's a guy who can catch fire. I think going with Munoz and, and, like, someone else in that range is probably the smart way to go. Now that we brought him up, I actually really like the Munoz play. But, uh, yeah, maybe even going up to Schwab. I don't know. Wallace is – WGCs are, are kind of a tough event, I think, especially for a guy like Wallace who, who doesn't play on the PGA regularly to just turn his game around. So I'd probably look elsewhere. Um, like I said, you're probably just overthinking it if you don't go with Ortiz, but – there are some other quality players to take shots with here. All right, seventy eight hundred bucks. Last guy just kind of came to me that I'm going to end up using him this week because <laughs> I, I just have a feeling that we're not. And he was t sixty two here last year in his debut, but he wasn't really playing all that well. But he has three top fifteens and four starts so far in twenty twenty. Uh, he is a major champion because he won one of those last year. Shane Lowry, just no one's going to use him. Yeah, it's. Again, we're early in the week, so like I haven't made decisions in this range. But it, again, we're as we we start to talk about them. I mean, it, it does make a lot of sense, right? I mean, it's not like he's been terrible to start the year or anything like that. I mean, Shane Lowry is a guy too. I mean, we're talking about putting is important. I mean, Lowry can putt with the best of them, man. Like the dude is a really talented putter and around the greens and stuff like that. Uh, he, he don't have to be arrow straight here necessarily. Like driving actually isn't a huge deal. I mean, Phil's one here, so. Um, get it out there, uh, hit, hit some greens with Shane and, and, and make some putts. I could see it, 100%. Guys want a WGC, obviously he's won a major. Um, you know, now that you throw it out there, he actually looks pretty cheap, especially compared to guys like Fitzpatrick and a struggling speech. So, um, yeah, I get it for sure. I'm definitely on that train. Yeah, major champion, WGC winner. And he generally, when he kind of pops for a win, you see it kind of coming. Like, uh, just looking at what he had done. Where were we at here? I just had it pulled up his... His lead up to winning last year at the uh, at the Open Championship, like it, it was a nice little run. It was third at the Heritage, eighth at the PGA, second in Canada, twenty eighth at the U.S. Open. Then he went overseas and generated some more top tens. Boom, wins at the Open Championship. And like coming in right now, like I said, he has three top fifteens in his past four starts. They've all like one was in Hong Kong. He played all three swings of the Middle Eastern tournaments. So. He's someone interesting that if I am trying to find guys that aren't coming with any ownership, he feels like one. Absolutely. I mean, like, I, I just feel like there's not going to be anyone in this range who starts to just, you know, take off skyrocket from ownership, even though we, you know, even us just talking about Shane Lowry, I don't think people are just going to be bullish on Shane Lowry now <laughs> to the point where they're just going to all flock to him. Right. So he could end up being the most popular player in that range. Although I think Snedeker will probably be the most popular, but, uh, even if he is, it's not going to be at insane ownership, right? So um, I like it. 
like I said, uh, or like you said, he's, he's playing better. Um, he's coming in with better form, obviously got the confidence. Uh, the only thing I don't like is he doesn't have kind of course experience played here last year and was terrible, but, um, you know, will it, will it was terrible his first year here too and in bad form and, and he improved quite a bit. So I think 7,800 at the very least, you're getting a really good price to take a shot with a guy who's, who's played well to start the year. So you always like that. Uh, looking at the fantasy national simulator, pretty good tool. If you've put one unit on each of the top five guys from the win simulator since last year's PGA championship, I believe you'd be up 175, like 175 units. I of course don't follow this, so I'm a losing better, but <laughs> it's nice to know of the guys in the $6,000 range, it gives the best odds, not great odds, but the best odds to Matthias Schwab. And after that, it's like Scheffler rates out really highly mainly because he's been playing so well. Sung Jay in the sevens rates out really highly. And that's kind of it. I guess Bobby Mack, 100 to 1 is what the simulator odds give him, and he's 100 to 1 in the betting market, so maybe he is the guy to go to. Watch out for Shez, by the way, just because he was kind of like Hideki last week. He ch- like he chipped in like five times. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. I Yeah, Chez was playing well, I know. I, I kept seeing him up near the top of Libra. I was like, what is this guy doing? Now he's starting to play well again. Oh, man, yeah. That could be a pivot too. Him and him and Horschel both have a little bit of interest for me there. Uh, I'll probably side with one of them. Not sure who yet. Maybe even go back to Nah. I don't know. Cool. Yeah, p- probably not Nah. I, I don't like him missing fairways here. That just seems like a bad uh, bad combo. But yeah, Chez and Billy Horschel both coming off good starts. Uh, both uh, obviously ins- can run insane around the greens. Horschel's a, a pretty solid putter too at times. So. I don't know. It, it's I don't really want to play either, as you can probably tell by I'm talking. But I, I could see myself. Uh, throwing one of those guys in, in in some in some lineups for sure you see it'd be worth hiring phil to be your your caddy this week because if you do hit it into the woods you'd be like oh yeah there's a free drop over there and be like okay i mean kevin Knott could definitely use that i mean he could use some free drops around here i think during the week and get hot on the greens and yeah good to go we should get phil out there for kevin Knott. Yeah, Phil knows all the rules. He knows all the, the hidden rules that the other people don't know about. Now, if you're not named Phil Mickelson, maybe you can't get away with that. I don't know. But Jeff, tell everyone what you got going on this week. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, obviously check out DK Live, the DK Live app, uh, and, the, and the DK Playbook, where you find the uh, PJ Cheat Sheet up. It should be up uh, fairly soon. And you can uh, check out the awesome old, awesome.com show uh, I'm doing with Ben Raza and uh, Sal. I'm going to screw up his last name. Vitrier? You, you know who? Do you know how pronounce that? Sal Vetri? It's pretty. Vetri. It, it, all you have to do is say it how it's spelled and you're good to go. <laughs> I, th- I thought it might have been fancy. Okay, Sal Vetri and Ben Raza, awesome show on Monday. You can check that out now on YouTube. And uh, like I said, check out my other articles. And you can just follow me on, on Twitter at The Fantasy Grind. Get all this info for free. All right, I'm Pat Mayo. At the PME on all the socials, you can do that. It's associated with some giveaways, so I'd go check that out. Just like the $120 giveaways, which if you just rewind to the beginning, you can find out what those are. Play in the Pat Mayo Experience open. The link is in the description of the podcast and video. And vote in the Custy Awards. It's tough. Have you... Jeff, when we go here, click on the Custy Awards, which you can find in the description. And go try to vote for all these, because it's damn near impossible to find what the actual winner is. Um, We need as many votes as possible, people, just so we can really get through some of these tougher categories. The people need to speak on what is the most cussed things of the previous year. I'm Pat Mayo. My cheat sheet will be up on Tuesday evening on DKPlaybook.com, so go check that out. Thank you for watching. Good luck this week at WGC Mexico! I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!